mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. episode 14 and we are excited to answer a question from one of our listeners. Um, I have a friend Allison and she is in my class at VCU in the math specialist um, program and she's a middle school teacher and she's been listening and enjoying it and so shout out to Allison. Thanks for listening. And she asked recently about technology. She said that she has uh, iPads in her class and she's looking for ways to use them better. And, you know, she, she mentioned something like not for just for play, but for like actually making math class better. So we thought we would kind of explore our journey with technology and see, talk about where we've come from and what we're, how we're using it now and just throw out some ideas that we think about. So Ruth, do you want to start and talk about... Um, kind of where I started because yeah. I started before you. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so my first job was a first grade teacher um, and the school system that I was in really got on board with technology and we went from maybe the teachers having a computer in their classroom to having a computer lab. And I remember it was really exciting because they had 25 computers for kindergarten through second and then 25 more downstairs. But what year would have this been? Um, 1999. Okay. You know, you hadn't graduated from high school. Right. Yet. Exactly. Right. Yep. If that was that year. Okay. I had. Yeah. <laughs> so they pretty much provided the whole system with computers, but then they ran out of money and we didn't get any software, <laughs> but because they had spent all this money on the hardware, we were required to use it. And so we had to go to the computer lab during our reading block and our math block for an hour once a week. Okay. And it was our responsibility as teachers to know what to do when you got there. Um, so there were, you know, games that you could go to websites, whatever. But again, it wasn't, you didn't feel like you wanted to give up a whole hour mm -hmm. of your teaching time. So my unit leader at the time, um, her and I sat down with Microsoft Office. So we had Excel and PowerPoint and Word. Mm -hmm. And we just created documents that the students would go to and they would open on the server and would complete them. So we had um, Excel documents with formulas in them. So it was a fill in the blank and the kid wrote the right name, write the, wrote the correct word. And it said, good job. Mm -hmm. um, we used form fields in Word. So instead of a multiple choice worksheet where you would circle A, B, C, or D, now you went to the computer lab and you clicked the drop down and you selected the right answer. Um, PowerPoint, they were able to insert clip art and type a sentence to go with it. Mm -hmm. um, they were able to model a math problem using the little shapes, the circles, and then writing it. And so that was kind of the beginning of it. And we were cutting edge. Yeah. Cause the first, for first graders, right? That's yeah. pretty good. I mean, that was, and we took that information and then gave it to some of the older grades. This was an elementary school that I was in. Um, and we ended up going to the teachers conferences and presenting yeah. because there were a lot of schools in our situation where principals were like, I don't know what to tell them to do. Yeah. Um, so I feel like a lot of what you just said, teachers could use today and teachers today 
don't make use of simple tools like that, that you don't need a subscription to this and that, or, you know, and there's tons of basic things that I, you know, I, I know kind of what you're, what's coming as well, but some really basic things that teachers could use today to, to really change how they, you know, like drop down form, like drop down fields that's been around for 20 years, but people don't ever use it. And mm-hmm. still, you know, they'll type in an A, you know, or, or just, they won't use that to. So in defense of those teachers, it really, for me, I needed someone to say, this is what you could do. And that was what the IT person at our school, that was their job. It wasn't necessarily come and fix your computers. It was, let me show you something new. And so if you were willing to go to the IT person and say, I want to do something new, they always had something to share. So as a teacher, I would just encourage you to be willing to say, can I do this better? Because someone can show you how to do it better. And when Trace and I were running and we were talking about this, both of us were like, oh, whatever, Excel, we've, you know, done that for 20 years. That's old news. But I think you're right. I think that there's a lot of teachers who could benefit from something really simple and not have to quote unquote learn Mm-hmm. the new technology or pay for something new yeah we should probably stop and mention that jay has done that job um that is his job to do technology and education so um he has a lot of good ideas so yeah go jay Thanks. so <laughs> i i mean i ask I, us if you don't have an it at our school <laughs> send us like i'm teaching this how can i make it better and if we don't know we'll ask jay yeah that's right <laughs> Here we go. so i have to mention that um when I first started teaching, that was in 2004, and we, Ruth and I worked together then, and we had, the school had just gotten a smart board, right? So it was a smart board on wheels that we all had to share right. and roll in and out, and it turns out you were the only one really, from how I remember it, you were the only one really interested in using it. And so Because I just checked it out in the library, and it said, if you need this, ask Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Nobody asked me, so it just was mine. Yeah. So, um, I remember us using it a lot. Do, we had like VGLA, this alternate assessment. Oh, yeah. We used it for that. That was pretty cool. We, we even recorded the kids doing stuff on the smart board. Um, but I still used an overhead at that time. The smart board was like the cool thing to add in every once in a while, but we used an overhead projector, you know? And so then I took three years off of teaching and came back to a different school. And I had this funny moment of like coming into my classroom, getting my new classroom set up. And I was like, ask somebody, so where's my overhead? And they just laughed at me <laughs> like, girl, overheads are gone. We still have some overheads. I've actually like scrolled away two of them for like projects that you need an overhead for, like a sh- making shadows or tracing something really big on paper. Like they... So you can make your own bulletin boards? No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't do bulletin boards. <laughs> you do. You do at the beginning of the year. Yeah, one time. Right. No, it's more like um, to make a big map. Or when we did this map project. Anyway, so that was my funny technology story. So we're headed into this conversation, and Jay is actually the one who brings up um, the SAMR model. The SAMR model. And so we're going to just kind of talk through that. And as we go through the SAMR model, we can share what activities we have used with it. Yeah. So this is from Dr. Ruben Puintadura. Did I get that close enough? Sounds Hopefully. Yeah. Um, and it is uh, talks about how to 
integrate technology or ways that teachers integrate technology into their classroom. And so, um, and we'll link this on our show notes, but it starts at the substitution level, which says that it's, that the technology is just, just a direct tool, a substitute with no real change. And so when we were talking about like a word document where you click A, B, C, or D from a form field, there's, there's no real change there. They're just doing it on the computer instead of doing it on paper. That's an example. Do you have another example of? I mean, I the whole PowerPoint thing too, just where you insert a picture of your vocabulary word and then you type a sentence that goes with it mm-hmm. as opposed to drawing a picture mm-hmm. of or your. pasting a, yeah. A, yeah, a clip art that's been printed. Okay. So then the next level is augmentation and that's where it's a direct tool replacement with some functional improvement. So something that's been improved about the situation. So when you were talking about the self-checking Excel document mm-hmm. where they would type in and then the formula beside it would either say, yes, you're right, or keep trying. That's, I think, an, an, an augmentation. Something was added to it because a kid can't get direct feedback or, it, you know, immediate feedback on a worksheet, whether it's right or not. And so in the show notes, I mean, I have one self-checking document that I change because the formula is in there and I change the problem mm-hmm. and I change the column that has the answers and it gives the students feedback. Mm-hmm. So if you look in the show notes, they can find one and download it and change the problems mm-hmm. and make it work for you at that point. I still use those for exam review because my students, um, I don't have a computer lab per se, but that's what their homework is. And they take it home and in math, when it tells you if you're correct, that's a pretty big plus Mm -hmm. for your parents Yeah, because you just keep trying until you get it correct. So, and you could also open it up, you know, we're saying Excel, but you could open it up in Google forms. No, that's not the right one. I get them all. Which Google one? Sheets. Google Sheets. You could open it up in Google Sheets and it should work exactly the same. Mm-hmm. It, it does. Yeah. Do you use it in Google Sheets or do you still use it in Excel? I send it to them both ways depending oh. on cool. what they have. Yeah. But yeah. So you could do both. Okay. So then the next level. So those are kind of like the base level. And then the next level is where I feel like it starts to get good, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that is the modification. And so we're on SAM modification and it says it allows for significant task redesign. Um, so where you have the the same idea of what you were going to do, but something is changed about it. Jay was saying he thinks this is the hardest one to, it's the hardest one for me to define. Like when somebody says, Hey, give me an example of that. It's tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, so you had one, we, we were kind of making our best guess. So tell us about right. your WebQuest thing. So WebQuest is something that has been out for a really long time. Yeah. And again, I, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I was given this an assignment in my master's level class and was kind of like, what? There was a whole lot of eye roll when you were telling me about right. the, on there our runs. There's like, some eye roll just right now. Over and over. We're like, it is 2018. This was last year. This right. is 2018. And you were being required to make a web quest. I just... Was... Because there's so many good stuff out there. But yeah. I do have to say that after I got into it, it really was a beneficial thing. And so the whole essence of this web quest was greatest common factor, least common multiple. Um, I did have to take my kids to the library. I had to check out the computer lab so they would have access to a computer. Um, and my GCF LCM project in the classroom would have been plan a party. Cups come in this many in packs of this and plates come in packs of this. And how many would you have to buy and mm-hmm. how many 
cookies would you need to get from here and that kind of thing. Um, but because of the web quest, I didn't have to give them that information on paper. I gave them a link to Walmart that took them right to that object and they were able to, they had to click on the link and see the cups came in this. And so they were able to formulate their own problem mm-hmm. based on what they were going to purchase and how they were going to do that. And so I guess it just made it a little, it was just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, it was modified. They were still having to plan the party and have their budget and figure out how many packs of everything they were going to buy in order to make sure everyone had what they needed. Yeah. So it feels a little bit more real world that way. And they're using some reading skills, you mm-hmm. know, to find the information on the, I mean, that's, that's a modification, mm-hmm. I would say, of the task. So that was good. Um, I think so th- you're still, you are still handing them the resources, but they're a resource they have to interpret differently and use different skills to look through a listing on a website versus, you know, a, a worksheet that has price listed and all that stuff just written down. They have to stretch a little bit more to find those things. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I have another example of modification, maybe see what you guys think. Um, you know how at the beginning of the year you try to do some like get to know you kinds of things. Well, uh, in the past, I have done something called uh, me by the numbers. And I went onto PictoChart, which is a um, infographic website. And I, I used the free part of it. I actually have my own subscription to the paid part of it. But I just used the free part for the kids. And they made an infographic about themselves and all of everything they told me had to be related to a number. So they had to use a single digit number and a double digit number and a decimal number and a percent. And I don't know, a bunch of different requirements on this rubric, which I can share the rubric and then an example. But um, I think that was a task redesign, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, they could have, you could have made that pa- poster on paper, but this allowed it to be look very professional and then we could share them we put them all together and shared them somehow i'm not remembering at this point how we did that but shared them digitally so that they could kind of click through and look at each other's i remember you used to hang them in the the hallway because it was something at the beginning of the year you always come in and see there by the numbers posters hanging we would print them and put them up is that is that sort of modification you think again this is a hard one yeah well it's headed in the right i think this is a place for us to talk about our flipped classroom and we've talked about how we used it but that's a modification mm-hmm. to be able to have access to your teacher teaching without having to be in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And as much as I don't use the flipped classroom model where they watch it and that is the teaching they get, I still give them links to all of those videos. Like right now we're doing order of operations and watching my video is not required, but the video is me doing 12 problems. Yeah, And so that becomes how you can study for your test and you just push play and mm-hmm. write down the problem and push pause and do it and then push play and listen to me Yeah, right there beside you showing you how to do it. So it's not necessarily in that flipped classroom model, but I feel like it's a little bit different right? because you're not just solving the problems and finding out if you got them correct the next day. Mm-hmm. I kind of used, I don't know if this is a fantastic use of it, but I used Flipgrid, which I think we're going to talk about in mm-hmm. a minute, but this whole like review kind of like watch your teacher do it. I used Flipgrid recently. Um, they had a 
basically a test review, quiz review that they were doing and a study guide. And they would do a problem and then they would go to the flip grade where I'd put myself recording. I had recorded myself answering each problem. And so they would watch that one problem on flip grade when they were ready for it and then fix their work. Um, and that's such and you don't have to bother with YouTube or, you know, downloading or anything. Mm. You can just one problem for a minute and 30 seconds. It limits yourself so that you, you don't get long winded um, just solving one problem on each of the grids. So I can they access Flipgrid at home? Yeah. Like there's a way to click on it and make it shareable or public or so, oh, there's okay. some kind of link now that you don't have to have any kind of login. Like make them a guest, I think. You make them a guest and then you... Hmm. Like, just click, I want the guest link, and then you can share the guest link, and anybody can look at it. So I just did that this week without Flipgrid. I created a video and uploaded it to YouTube, which is so much easier these days than it was when we first started. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. Because you can just make it right on YouTube? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I just did a paper slide where it was just me solving the problems, and I got three emails from parents that said, thank you. Wow. For doing this. You cool. can also end the, and sometimes people don't look at the description of a YouTube video, mm -hmm. but you can go in there and link, make links to different times in the video. So if you had like the answer to question three is here, you can click on that link and it'll jump them right to the video to say, this is the answer to number three. Wow. And you can put all those links in the description so they don't have to work off another page. They open up the description and click, I need the answer to you know, whatever, whatever number was, they click it and they don't have to watch the answers to one, two, three, four, and five. They can jump right to cool. six. And you can also put those links elsewhere, time stamped in a YouTube video so that you can just make one video instead of having to make a video for each question, like you mm -hmm. do a flip grid for each mm -hmm. question. Um, and you can put those links elsewhere or you can put them right in the description so they can jump into the video where they need to be. Cool. Do you have a video about how to do that? Uh, well, I'm, I might by the time this comes out. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> if so, we'll link it in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. I love how we learn stuff from you because you're up on all the cool tech stuff. Um, okay. So I might, you know what? I, so I already maybe know my, t my takeaway, which is I pretty fairly soon I'm going to need to do a decimal quiz. And instead of just my everyday way that I allow them to study is to make a study guide and then post my handwritten answers on Google Classroom for them to look at, hoping that they're going to go there. Well, maybe I could just just as easily do a video, whether it's on YouTube or Flipgrid. I could, I could give them the verbal, too, to go with it, not just the visual. And that might, you know, at least augment, if we're looking at this SAMR model, that might be at least a, an improvement. Maybe a mo I don't think it's really a modification, but um, I might try that. Cool. Okay. So then the final one is redefinition, which is allows for creation of new tasks previously inconceivable, which is like, oh, yeah, kind of so, hard, right? Well, for me, a Tuva Lab Ooh, yeah. was amazing. So that's, it's T-U-V-A, Tuva mm -hmm. Labs. And Tracy was kind of like, I mean, you were on it right when it first came out. I don't ha have any idea how I found it, but I did. Yeah. And then. Oh, you, Jay, you showed it to us? Oh. Yeah. Jay showed it to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anytime Tracy gets on the bus, she calls me and I jump on the bus with her. Yeah. Um, and 
there's so many things that you can do with it. Okay, I explain what it is. First. So I've tried to sell it to my statistics teacher. Like you should use this website because you can do all kinds of stats with your kids. Like convince them to use it. They don't have to buy it. Exactly. They don't. Um, not paying money. Yeah, there's, there's a free, free version. There. I think the paid version gives you access to so many more databases. But in reality, what they've done is they've collected all of the data. And you can have data on anything. So you can incorporate history. You can incorporate science into your math class. Um, the one that comes to mind for me is the one about dogs. Mm -hmm. And they have how much the average dog in this breed weighs and how fast it runs and how long it lives and the students look at the data and then you just click on these buttons and it shows you the data about this in a bar graph. Mm -hmm. It can show it to you in a line graph. The kids can see it in a box and whisker plot just by changing the buttons at the top. And so for Tracy and I, the first year we used it, we she created the All About Me. And so students collected data because you can do that too. You can create your own data instead of using the ones they have. So we... Um, how long was your your head circumference? And we did the width of you from fingertip to fingertip. And, and how many minutes it takes you to get to school? How many siblings? Mm -hmm. How many pets? How – and then we – you know, there were basic things like what school do you go to mm -hmm. and what grade are you in? So now we have this – all of this data – and you can pick and choose what you want to compare. And students answered questions like, why do you think the person that has the most siblings has the least amount of pets? Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, mama said enough. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it was so beneficial. We were able to see who didn't collect data right because you have outliers. Yeah. If you give them directions, measure the width of your hand from your thumb to your pinky in centimeters, and you put yours in in inches, will you become an outlier and your data or your piece of data skews mm -hmm. the whole thing? I remember a good takeaway for me. So we were compare. we had put fourth graders data and sixth graders data in mm -hmm. there together in the same document. And I remember, um, them seeing that heights were different, like your kids were not all, but generally were right. taller, a little bit taller than my kids, but head circumference was not. And we learned from that, that your head circumference kind of stops after a while. Like it, you know, even adults and kids heads, you know, our kids age yeah. are kind of the same. And that was like an aha moment for me that it's, there's not a correlation. Like we didn't see sixth graders head circumference keep going up after fourth grade, their height did. It's a good thing because people got, but have some great old <laughs> I know, heads. like you. I know. <laughs> Mine kept going. Yeah, yours did. So, yeah, you're exactly right. That really was a redefinition task because we could not have done that in any way um, without Tuva, Tuva Labs. That was cool. We'll For share our. Do I, I think we can probably still share our data from right. that? Maybe share the data. We actually presented that at yeah. a STEM conference. Yeah. Um, so we probably have a lot of stuff that we could. Present and again, if you have questions, it's a really user friendly website. Mm -hmm. um, I love the fact that you can pick what goes on your X and Y axis from a huge set of data. You know, going back to the animal one, you could be like length on one axis and height on the other. You can just narrow it down to one little piece and see if there's some kind of correlation between which, those. 
makes it beneficial even for kindergarten and first grade. You might not take your kids to the computer lab, but for them to be able to see the graph mm-hmm. change yeah. on your screen. Yeah. And even just when it starts out, it's just a bunch of dots all over the screen. And so this is this represents all of our data. Mm-hmm. But watch what happens when I create an x-axis or a y-axis and now it's organized. And that's oh, the yeah. purpose of a graph is to see data organized to help you analyze it, mm-hmm. to use all those verbs that are in our objectives that students don't know, mm-hmm. create, analyze. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I'm remembering now how you said like – on the screen, they're just completely random. And then once you pick some axes, once you define the two axes, that it, you know, starts to get in some kind of line. That's cool. So we have a little bit more time. I thought we would just kind of take turns talking about other things. Sure. Um, my friend Allison said she has iPads. So let's talk specifically about some things that we've done on the iPad. I have sort of just iPads I can borrow from other people in the school. So I haven't put a lot of time into it but one one app that i do love is from nctm on their illuminations site um they have a ken ken app and ken ken is a puzzle a math puzzle that's a lot like sudoku and um it's a free app and it's really well done because it starts off very simple and then gets really hard Mm -hmm. like some that i still haven't mastered the (laughs) the hard ones um but it kind of puts together sudoku and then like basic facts and it's just great. I would totally say download it and l- let that be an option whenever you have early finishers. Um, do you want to talk right. about So that just reminded me of Solve Me Mobile, which mm-hmm. we talked about in um, one of our other episodes. But And that's not even um, an app per se. That's just a website. And I know for me, my iPads are controlled by the IT department. Mm-hmm. So if I find this app at 11 o'clock and want to use it the next day, I'm out of luck. Right. You know, I have to like kind of plan in advance, but that Solve Me Mobiles is kind of that same thing. And there's a lot of those kinds of what, even Estimation 180 has a feature where the student looks at it and estimates and can enter their answer um, yeah. on the website. So those are ones we've talked about. And there are sometimes where I use the iPads as an introduction to a lesson with just a game. It's not something that they do the whole thing, but... Like I just did exponents, mm-hmm. and so the kids got to play twenty forty eight, literally for like three minutes, just enough for them to be like, "Oh, can you have? No, we're gonna put the iPads yeah. away." Like, um, so explain what that game is in case someone's so ever played it. Twenty forty eight is you slide buttons or you slide numbers across the screen, and you start with a two, and when you match a two, it makes a four, and then the fours make an eight, and then a sixteen, and a thirty two, and a mm-hmm. sixty four, and a one twenty eight, and a two fifty six, and a five twelve, and a ten twenty four. Wow, Ruth. To wow. A she knows all her numbers. Yeah. Right. So uh, it reminds me of one of those sliding tile puzzles and how oh. the game works. It's because you you have like a s- certain grid and you're sliding the little number tiles back and forth. Right. Yeah. And of course, for me, the purpose is the numbers I just said are all the base two numbers, mm-hmm. and the students see the numbers and realize how fast exponents make them grow because yeah. there's no sixes and there's no twelves and tens in this game. You're not counting by twos. You're using base two numbers. Yeah. Um, my other really fun game is called Math Puzzle, and it's prime factorization. And that is like the only game I have on my personal phone because <laughs> I get really addicted to games and I need to not yeah. do that. But Math Puzzle's on there because I have the high score and I haven't had a student beat me <laughs> and I'm a little bit competitive. Um, no, you. <laughs> but Math Puzzle is, it gives you the number 
14 and you have to click the two and the seven because that's the prime factorization of it. And then it, it goes higher and higher and you have to, I don't know, like it would give you 343 and you would have to hit 777 and you just keep traveling through it. So it's, it's speed, but the kids are really competitive mm-hmm. with each other. And if you were to come into my room when we were playing that, everyone's standing up because you can't sit down and play that game. You have to like walk around and really be intense. <laughs> so there are some games on iPads that just make math fun. Yeah. And there's a place for that too. I have a question. Did you know the prime factorization for 343 off the top of your head? Yes, it's seven cubed. Jay, I teach exponents and so that's really kind of a curse, but... I can do, and wow. I play that game, so I could tell you the prime factorization of lots of numbers. Don't I'm, ask me. I'm but. just saying because there was there was no notes in front of you, and you oh, threw that boom. off. Like, I was like, wondering if you, you know, thought about that this morning in the car and thought, I gotta throw something fancy. No, out. no, no. I just know <laughs> lots of cubes and squares, and that's awesome. Wow. Well, all the base two numbers to. Yeah, I, I knew that. Trip, Trip can do that too. Our son, who's seven, ha- likes oh. the twenty forty eight game. Remember what he asked after after you beat twenty forty eight the first time? What did he ask? He said, "Is there another game called forty eighty sixteen? Yeah, oh. forty eighty sixteen, <laughs> doubling every part of the number separately. How cute is that? <laughs> I love it. Oh, cute. Okay, that might be your title. Jay is always listening for the title when we say something funny. That might be good." Um, okay, I have another one that are we going in any kind of order here, Ruth? I don't we think made so. this big huge list. So we just talk till we run out of time, I guess, till we have to go get ready for school. <laughs> um, but a- another one that I would call a redefinition would be breakout edu. Um, and if you're not familiar with that, so it kind of is building off of this whole escape room thing where you can go to a place and you try to break out by solving puzzles. So there's a there are digital version versions that people made um, on a, on a website, breakout edu. And we, we've, we've used some of those in our class, but then we've also tried to make them, which is pretty cool. Um, and then after we've, after we made them, then we've tried to get the kids to make them. And last year I taught in a, in a STEM lab, it's called the stream lab for us, but taught in the STEM lab. And one of the projects that I had our fifth graders do was to make a, a breakout puzzle for, um, a third grader or a fourth grader, or a fifth grader. So I gave them a specific SOL, like a specific standard. Let's say it was third grade multiplication and they could see exactly what level third graders were expected to know. And then they had to create like a story and then make the puzzles be part of that. And hmm. they really did a good job. And I think each one of them probably had three or I think it was like three to five puzzles is what we said. And then you're just making it on in Google forms right i get the is that the where you'd Mm -hmm. make it you'd make it in google forms and then you'd use like conditional statements that if they got it right then it submitted them it like sent them to the next page and that's where they got the next part of the story and had to figure out what the puzzle was and some of them imported pictures some of them sent them to websites to check stuff out um they were really well done i think and that's the kind of thing that there's no other way they could have really made that right um without the technology. So we'll share some, I can share my like planning for that. And then also a couple of student examples. I will say the breakout EDU has since it's beginning, I don't know the last time you were there. Um, they used to have all these tons of, of breakout examples. I mean, specifically for physical games with boxes and locks mm-hmm. and they've put a lot behind a paywall now. Yeah. Um, so there, I mean, I think there's, there still are a selection of, of free games I you can so find, too, a couple. but you now have to 
subscribe or whatever to get all the tons of resources that used to be available. Yeah. And, and, you know, we start to say technology is, we start to think of it as something on the computer, but technology is really any tool that you use. And so we've, we, my parents one year for Chris, for my birthday gave me like a fish, a tackle box or toolbox or something. And then all these locks. So we have our, like as a family, we have this, kit that we sort of like can edit and make into puzzles and we've done it for school we did it about we made one about native americans and we've done it for like birthday parties and stuff you know created our own puzzles to go i i just used it in math when we were using um multiplication and just solve this problem and then open up this box with the lock the answer you know the product is the answer on the lock then I forgot, promptly forgot what the problem was. And so now there's a couple of locks that we don't know how to open them. <laughs> well, that was the one that Adley, on the way home from school, was trying every combination on a three-digit combination yeah. lock to get open. And so, she came home and she goes, I got all the way to 723, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> so we still got a little ways to go to figure it out. There's only so many combinations. No, I think, I think we got those open. Yeah. Well, I think there's still a couple that we haven't <laughs> yeah. unlocked. But that's, you know, a simple technology Mm-hmm. It, it it I would say that's probably um, on the SAMR model. That's just augmentation. That makes it more exciting, but it's still you're just solving a problem and checking yourself. Okay, your turn. What do you got? Um, so I feel like I got to put another plug in there for Desmos mm-hmm. because they have done such a good job of um, creating lessons where the students answer questions and I feel like every time I go to it there's something more to choose from and I just I don't know if you saw that tweet but somebody said that they were doing marble slide which is where you adjust the slope of the line and the kids were like picking up their computer and tilting it (laughs) to try to get the marble to slide because they just couldn't get the right slope that's funny um so I just want to put another plug in for them and I we talked about Tracy just being the Google Docs seems pretty basic, mm-hmm. but being able to interact with each other as students and you being able to comment on their work yeah. has really taken it to another level. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, our daughter has worked on group projects with other students where they don't have to come, you know, back in the day, if you did a group project, one of the parents had to, yeah, fine, everybody can come use my basement. Yeah. Um, but now they don't have to gather in one place to still work on a project together in the evenings. Yeah. Last week's, um, last week's episode was about I love math day. And I got back one of the chat, I got back the challenge papers this week. So I've looked at their first challenge paper and one. so one of their requirements was to do use words, numbers, and pictures. So they, the, one of the girls have this almost like a little comic that she made. She's like, first we did this. And she had a little picture of her and her friend doing that. First we did this. And then one of the pictures was, and then we worked on Google classroom or Google docs. And so it's like two pictures they're obviously in different houses, they're like facing there, but they're facing each other, both sitting at the computer typing out like they, you're exactly right. They could have done that otherwise. And then, oh, and then it said, and then we had a play date and then, <laughs> and, and, and we worked on it. And then the next one said, and then, and then she told me what to type and I typed it down on Google docs. It's just so precious. <laughs> um, Did a, they win? They were second um, and for my, for my group. They were so close. Oh. They were so close. I had to go with the, with the, I haven't, I haven't told them, Shh. but I had to go with the one who, who explained why you would divide by a, a, a fraction or a decimal. Cause they were, they divide, they had, they, okay, we're getting off task, but that's okay. Right. <laughs> they, um, that's what we do. <laughs> they had a stack of books and they measured the entire stack was 43 inches or something like that. And then they knew that, 
um, a, a one-fourth chunk of pages, they said, was 100 pages. A quarter inch? What did I say? You said a one-fourth chunk. Of an inch, yes. A one-fourth of an inch chunk of pages is 100 pages. And so then they said, we needed to figure out how many one-fourth chunks, one-fourth of an inch chunks were inside the whole thing. And so they wrote, I, so we divided the we divided 43 divided by one-fourth to see how many one-fourths were inside. And I was like, yes, <laughs> you're listening. Because <laughs> we talked about that. So I just had to go with that one. I don't know that they actually want. I haven't compared it to the fifth grade yet. Okay. Um, how about we each do one more before okay. we head out? I would say that – okay, this is not mm, – man, we got a, a lot. But I think Skype in the classroom or um, what are our other options now? Um, well, I think they, Skype in the classroom is something that technologically is not, is not you know crazy, but it's something that very few people do, and I think it is a, a very – impactful thing mm -hmm. and i think it has it has been awesome the stories and the, and the times i've seen yeah and so google done. hang if you don't want to use skype you can also use google hangouts to do the same idea but it's just connecting to someone else that you can't bring into your classroom so we've often used it my my students have used it um to talk to another classroom of kids i don't know that we've we have talked to experts before like an astronaut one time or and we connected to a legislator before too um but my my favorite times are when we connect with another class and we play mystery skype which is where you guess using yes or no questions where the other group of people are so I have to think about how you would use that in the math classroom or maybe you just use it just to expand, you know, their worldview. I don't know. Um, and math is taught differently in different places. Yeah. That could be cool to like compare. You know, you could still play the mystery Skype idea and then share something specific that you're doing in math class or or just meet up with another class and think of something that you could do. You could gather data through talking to another class Ooh, that you yeah. could then turn around and use in a yeah. project. Right. Combine that with Tuvalab somehow yeah. with the data. So I, I just have thoroughly enjoyed. And it's easy. You're like, how the heck am I going to find somebody in another place? If you just put, you know, go to Twitter, that's the best place that I found to find partners to do it with and, and use some hashtags like hashtag mystery Skype or hashtag Skype in the classroom. And then use some of those hashtags and people will find you and and you'll get connected because at the same time you're looking for someone, so is somebody else. And they're going to search the hashtags and you'll find each other just because right now I'm looking for someone and so is somebody else. So that's my plug for that. You got one more you want to talk about? Um, so I'm going to go with the zoomable number line. Mm -hmm. I just feel like that is a skill that is so hard for even sixth graders to understand where there that there's an infinite number of numbers between yeah. one tenth and the, two tenths. The density property. Yeah. yeah. And so when you can the what property? Density. The density, density property. Pro I thought of you said the tensy property. No. <laughs> <laughs> density. So when you can stretch that number line and show them mm -hmm. um and the one that I have to use now is on mathisfun.org. I did have this really cool app that was free and then they decided it needed to be a paid app. And so you can't use it anymore. Um, but it was, it worked all the way from kindergarten through because it was animals that you were able to stretch. And so you, they went all the way down to an amoeba when you were talking mm. about the decimals and it started with elephants Cool. when you were talking about whole numbers. And every time you would stretch, the animal size would get smaller and you were hmm. able to 
I've seen that. I remember, I've seen that somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So I think if we would kind of – wait, Jay, you have anything you want to add? No. I think if we would summarize, when, when we were kind of planning for this episode, we were like, I don't really have any awesome things, you know. I, but I think that that's kind of the point. We, you don't want to let your technology become the thing that's awesome. You want your math, the thinking, and you want your students and their ideas to be the part that's awesome. And the technology is just there to make it better or, make, or highlight it or organize it you know, or spark it, any of those kinds of things. Right. It's really a tool. Yeah. It's not the tool. Yeah. And that's really important. I mean, sometimes it's just fun to use technology as your hook. Right. Watch this video, like that Twitter video you have of the Japanese game show (laughs) where the girl had to lay down in front of the right answer to the problem, two plus two times two. Mm Mm-hmm. And she laid down in front of the wrong place because she didn't follow order of operations and she got smacked into the water. And yeah. it was literally like a 30-second video on replay. And I just played it all day long. And we noticed and wondered. Yeah. Oh, you said you said Japanese. Really Korean, though, because you said Ooh, you're Korean it was, students. Yes, it was Korean game show because my Korean students were able to notice what the word said they on could the read screen. It. <laughs> that was right? awesome. Yeah, so... Um, I think it's important to, to, like you said, technology is not always an app or a website on a computer. Yeah. And there are ways to bring things, you know, right away, to, you know, break out boxes or, or things where they are manipulating objects in the classroom. Yeah. It's it's different. It's innovative because it's not, you know, listening to a, you talk and write problems down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think too often people think of technology as it has to be on a computer and it has to be a website and it has to be turned in online. Um, all those things are great, but that's not, that's not what, that's not using technology to, to better your teaching. There's a lot of stuff, just giving them a different, different opportunity to work, to give students a different opportunity to work together. Yeah. I like it. All right. So I already said my takeaway, which is I'm going to try to up my game on my test review, quiz review next time. Do you have one? Hmm. Um, I haven't been to Breakout EDU okay. in a really long time, so I'm going to check that out, even though it's behind paid. I mean, I might be able to do that. The teacher next door, she has a whole set of lockers in her classroom because she was in an elementary classroom. Cool. So she has her paper and everything stored in them. Well, she also has just random lock- lockers that she can use for her that's breakout cool. sessions. Is that Courtney? Yeah, that's and it's cool. a history class, and yeah. she... She's done so many breakouts and the kids like come back at lunch to finish because they're so close to getting that's cool. the tiny little trophy that's in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, th- I think breakout very seldom have I found one and actually used all the content, but used ideas for how they, you know, how they set up puzzles, how they, you know. Yeah, but your puzzles are really use the hard. artifacts. Well, I'm not saying all those. I've, I've <laughs> done them other places specifically for kids and you know, had found ideas and didn't just copy the whole thing wholesale, but just, you know, kind of use their their setups for, for puzzles and for locks ideas. instead of their content. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what teaching is all about. You don't yeah. have to use everything we say, but we've put it out there and you can take what you need and make it good for your classroom. Yep. Do you have a takeaway? Uh, that was it right okay, there. Okay, great. That was awesome. All right. Well, I think um, if you have some technology ideas that have worked 
awesomely or even kind of okay in your class. We'd love to hear them. Share those with us and be sure to share this episode. Um, you know, retweet it, follow us, all those things that I'm supposed to say when you, when you have a podcast. Right. I don't really know. <laughs> Do all the things on. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow on a run. See you tomorrow.